Welcome to Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where we connect authors with new listeners and provide advice to aspiring authors on the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter. So hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And today I have the pleasure of introducing you to Mike Salt. So Mike, would you like to say hello to the listeners? Howdy. So I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, we were just chatting a little bit and I, I have to, if you don't mind, we got to share the news that you have this weekend. You had a very big weekend. <laughs> listeners will like to hear that. So what happened with you this weekend? Well, I got married. Yay. Congratulations. Yay. Yay. That's wonderful news. And then you came on the podcast, so you must have a pretty busy life. Um, yeah. yeah. So how about you share with us a little bit about yourself? Let's start out with what state in the Northwest you live in. I'm in Oregon. Okay. I am in the, you know, uh, the Air Force, the United States Air Force. I've been in that since 2014. Uh, before that, I dabbled in comic books for a little bit, uh, did some internships there with the various companies, had a couple published smaller stories. Um, I, am, I have three kids, uh, wow. a brand new wife, yeah, a brand new wife and a, uh, a fluffy dog named Moose. So oh, I love it. Me. <laughs> I love it. Well, great. Well, Mike, let me first say thank you so much for your service. I desperately appreciate it. Um, come from a service family and I work with a lot of service uh, individuals in, in my job. And but I wanted to say thank you for that. So, and congratulations on the wedding. Woo-hoo. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's been very exciting. It's been a busy month, but it's been yeah. good. Yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. So can you tell us what you do in the service? Are you, um, what do you, what's your job? I'm a crew chief. I, uh, I'm the one that babysits the jet so the pilots don't have to and make sure they fly in the air. And when they come back broken, I make sure to fix it. Oh, fun. That's what my, my, uh, cousin was for years and years. He really? was sure. Yeah. And, um, did that. And then he, when he came out, he went into doing something else. I can't remember what it was, but he loved it. He thought it was a fantastic opportunity and he really loved the guys he worked with. So <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about it. I really enjoy the people I work with and I'd rather be doing this than most things. So it's yeah. not, I'm not, not a bad gig by any means. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. So you told us about your day job. So that's fantastic. Um, tell us, this is one of those stumper questions I like to ask my authors right out of the bat. Um, you can share with us something about yourself. Now, it doesn't have to be anything around writing or what you write about, but give our listeners one thing that they're going to remember you by. <laughs> I am a Bigfoot enthusiast. Ah. I have two Bigfoot tattoos. I think you can see my little Bigfoot on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I just like Bigfoot. He's fun. Um, I love it. I what it is about the hairy man. I, I've started a new collection of taking po- uh, photos next to Bigfoot statues. It's kind of a thing right now. So um, I'm the prowl for Oregon Bigfoot or Washington Bigfoot statues so I can go make a road trip and take a picture. Oh my gosh. So you have to come up to my area. I'm Southwest Washington. And, um, in the, around the October time, I think it is, we have a Sasquatch festival and it's to die for. Uh, I stumbled on it this last October. It's a brew. It's a brew and Sasquatch festival. I went for the brew, didn't know a Sasquatch festival and I was enamored and they bring authors that 
our legitimate authors to come and do speaking about Bigfoot. And it, it just ended up being a really great thing. So you'll have to, I'll have to send in the link about it. You'll have to come up our way. We also have a wood statue of uh, Bigfoot in one of our city local areas that you'll have to come and take a picture of. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. We just, I just discovered a Bigfoot convention was like two hours away and it just meshed with our wedding weekend. So I couldn't do it. No, <laughs> no, no, no marking all these on my calendar for next year. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. And, and it was great because it had all local Bruce, which my husband's really into and I'm into. So it kind of hit, I can meet authors and then it's a subject that yeah, we right. both were fascinated with. Um, <laughs> I swear there is Bigfoot and I know someday I will accidentally run into him. Not that I'm ever out in the woods by myself alone, but that's my biggest fear. <laughs> and I would be totally excited too. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that'd, be a, that'd be a dream come true. However, in my heart of hearts, I feel like it's never going to happen. So I'm yeah. I never see him. So I don't know. Yeah, I know. I grew up with my dads and brothers all out in the woods and stuff. And I'm like, man, one of these days someone will see it. But then we, I don't know. It, that's fun. Well, I love that. That's a great um, thing for people to associate with you. And definitely I'll send you all the information about our Sasquatch Fest that we have. You guys have to come up for it. Oh, yeah. That yeah. sounds amazing. Okay. So tell us a little bit about you as an author. Um, so you said that you dabbled a little bit in comics kind of first, or that was one of your jobs, which I love comic um, artists. One of my daughters is a comic artist. She's a graphic designer and does oh, wow. digital art. Um, and I was going to do a whole month of um, uh, graphic artists, but right now during the time of recording, they're all at conventions. <laughs> so it's really hard to yeah, right. they, pin them down. Yeah. yeah but tell us going on. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your authoring journey at first. Like, did you know you were an author when you were younger? Did it just land upon you? Kind of walk us through that process of when you realized you're a writer. Huh. Um, it's been a, it's been a journey for sure. I, uh, spent a lot of time as a kid drawing and, uh, creating comics with my best friend. We were at fourth grade. We were drawing comic books together and getting them taken away by the teachers and whatnot. <laughs> and, uh, we both doubled in art. We both had a lot of fun with it. And then he decided that he wanted to get a grown up job. So he went off and did his thing. And I did college for a little bit, but then I, uh, a buddy kind of sent me in the direction towards this internship with a comic book company, a publisher. And, uh, I played around in there for a while. I got to meet a lot of really cool artists and I kind of got a taste of the industry was like, and that really got me curious to, you know, jump back in and give that a shot. So I rounded up some artists some letterers, some colorists, you know, the whole, whole nine yards started putting together some pitches for companies. And unfortunately, every time I got a really good solid pitch together, uh, I had such good artists that they would get offers by like a big company. Yeah. One of the guys got poached and went to IDW and did a Star Trek series. Oh, very cool. Another guy went off and did a, something with dynamite, some really good publishers. And, uh, I couldn't hold it against them because it was like, you know, an opportunity for them to further their career. And they're all really nice guys. So of course I wanted the best for them, but it's kind of like <laughs> it's bittersweet because I, I had them and I wanted them to work on my project. But uh, no, and then after a while of that happening routinely to me, mm-hmm. um, I had a couple projects that made into anthologies and some shorter stuff that was published, but I kind of got tired of like having no control over um, after I wrote the story, then it just, if the artists can finish it in time before they get, you know, big and get better job opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take it on my own hands and just uh, run with it. And I wasn't going to ever draw again. That wasn't going to, I'm not good enough to be in any you know, professional. So 
writing was kind of what I wanted to do. So I started work, working on short stories and eventually novels. And so that was, it's been a, it's been a long journey and only the last five years has really been focused on writing novels. Oh, that's, I think that's an awesome journey. And it's not one that I, I typically have on my podcast. I have authors that have written short stories or um, short pieces of work or fiction or memoirs, but not necessarily started with comic development or writing. And so that, that's a great story. So you're unique. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take you, that. You are so welcome. Okay. So tell us what genre you're writing in. Cause I know what it is, but my listeners don't until they get on show notes and look. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I, whenever I download your podcast, it's always, I see the name and then I'm like, what genre are we in? Here we go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I, I primarily work in horror. I, Back in the comic books, I did a lot of sci-fi, mm-hmm. uh, mixed horror, and uh, but since I started, you know, just working on prose, I literally have only done horror. Um, last year, I won the 2018 Ink Shares Horror Competition, and I just I think that's what I'm going to do. I don't. I have a couple ideas floating for sci-fi, and I I love sci-fi, especially time travel. That's my jam. But uh, at this time, I'm primarily focusing on horror. I love it. Well, congratulations on the award. That's awesome. Awesome news. Yeah, very good. And um, a lot of people don't know this about me. I actually love, I love all genres. I'm a historical fiction writer. I'm working on my first book. Um, I gravitate towards historical fiction, but I love horror and I absolutely love science fiction. I'm also a gigantic Star Wars fanatic. Um, so this 4th of July, it's going to be a big shindig Star Wars thing. We're building the Death Star. I'm hiring stormtroopers and everything. So it's like wow. a big thing. We have about a thousand kids come to our neighborhood and, <laughs> and trick or treat. So I'm doing it big this year. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love horror. I, I find that, um, the nicest people write horror. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been. I've been very surprised with this community. Everybody that I meet on Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, um, they're all just the nicest people. And it just shocked me because in the comic book industry, you, there's a lot of ego. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that they think that they're going to make it big and it's owed to them. And I had a hard time mentioning those kind of people because I just want everybody to get along and I want everybody mm-hmm. to kind of grow together and work together and try to make a good community. And the horror community, they've been very supportive uh, with the release of my latest, you know, they really had my back and helped me push. They shared it and they let people know it exists and writing reviews and it's really cool. Oh, I love it. Well, honestly, I, I have one friend in the area. He writes horror. He was one of the very first podcast um, authors I had on. Nicest guy, the biggest teddy bear in the world. And we were talking about it off camera and I know some other horror authors too. And, and I also know that there's um, a lot of, you know, dark, uh, writers that will write dark and they're the kindest people in the world. And I think it's because we all have that in us. We have to let out and the nicest people sometimes have all that built up. They got to get it out. (laughs) They write fantastic stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, tell us the titles of your work that are published and then we're going to get into your writing process. Uh, well, I just released damn to hell with abomination media, uh, last month and then blind, was the one that won the 2018 InkShares Award. Mm-hmm. And InkShares will be publishing that nationwide through Barnes & Nobles and all that fun jazz. That's going to be the big one. It doesn't come out till next year, though, but that's been working hard. They have good set, uh, good set of editors and uh, marketing team. It's going to be pretty cool. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's it right now. And then uh, November, 
in October, I have a anthology coming out. My story in there is called uh, Don't Stop. And it's in the Hell Hour uh, anthology through Abomination. And then I'll be publishing, self-publishing in December, uh, The Valley. Okay, awesome. So you're, are you doing both? You, you have books that are traditionally published or, or hybrid published, and then you're also self-publishing. Is that what I hear? Uh, the Valleys of last in the de- December, I'll be doing that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've been working with some, some cool people. Inkshare has really opened up a couple doors for me and gave me opportunity to meet some really cool people. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of just trying to ride that out for right now. Yeah, no, it's good. And this is the part of the podcast that I love about the whole journey aspect of it and how almost every author has a whole different journey um, in publishing. It, it There's no almost no one road any longer. It used to be all traditional, right? You're either going to get traditional or not, but there's so many roads you can go. Um, so it's, it's fascinating. Right. So Mike, talk to us about your writing process. When you have an idea that um, comes into your head for a story, are you one of those that sit down and plan it? You plan out all the characters or do you just write straight through? Do you have a writing ritual? I, I heard some amazing writing rituals. So talk us through your process when you get a story idea. Uh, so I don't, I, I believe in plotting to a degree. Um, I just am really bad at it. Uh, when I've written my last couple of novels, it's literally been get to the keyboard and then just start writing <clears throat> and mm-hmm. see what happens. I, um, I've heard people say that like, let the characters tell the story. And I, even though it's kind of cliche, it's kind of what happens. I just, I don't know where the character is going to end up when I'm done writing it. Um, I kind of have a, a little notebook and I kind of keep notes of, like things that I think of throughout the day or um, maybe when I come home from work or maybe I'm sitting there crew in a jet and I'm like thinking about the story where I want to write tonight and I'll kind of put like little things where I think I eventually want to get to mm-hmm. um, just like little uh, uh, check marks that eventually I plan on writing to. So I have kind of direction to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, uh, as I'm writing most of it, I'm trying to surprise or shock myself. So if I know that if I didn't see it coming, then maybe the reader won't either. Um, oh, that's the fun part about it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like finishing a paragraph and being like, well, I didn't see that coming. I got to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, as far as like, I will, especially this new one right now, the Valley, I'm spending a lot of time uh, just driving towards the central plot. And I don't know what's going to happen when they get there. And I'm having, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, just the, the concept of it and where I wanted to, like where I wanted to end up. But the plot itself is very, at this point, it's murky. I don't know where, where the horror elements is really going to pop up at. And I'm looking forward to getting there. And I don't really want to sit there and write what I think would be scary. Mm-hmm. And I just would rather write what's scary in the moment when I'm writing it. So I usually write at like 11 o'clock at night when the computer is sleeping. <laughs> when it's dark and quiet. Yeah, so <laughs> the ideal time to read my stories is between 11 and four in the morning. So. Oh, perfect. Okay, listeners. <laughs> so take that advice. <laughs> I love it. And then as far as rituals go, I, I, I generally have an energy drink just sitting beside my computer. Mm-hmm. And I, if it's my second energy drink, then it's probably a glass of water. Mm-hmm. But um, it's always headphones in and just blasting music and yeah. just zoning out and just going for it. Uh, I used to put a movie on and just have that as a background noise, but I found I write faster with the music. Maybe it's just the tempo of the song or something, but, mm-hmm. uh, and also with the movies playing, I tend to sit down and watch it for like five or 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So 
I get distracted by TV or movies when I'm writing because I want to tune into what's going on in the storylines on TV or whatever. Even if it's right. the news, it feels like a storyline to me. So it competes with uh, yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so uh, I had a question. Um, I just lost it. Okay, I'll come back to that. <laughs> it was about the writing process. Oh, so when you're writing horror, this is a question I don't get to ask a lot of authors because I've only had a couple come on. Um, there's there's obviously different ways to shock readers, right? There's different kinds or types of horror, you know? So like you said, you don't know what's going to happen, but do you have kind of in your mind how you're going to kill off characters somewhere before you get started or does that just organically happen for you? I. I kind of, uh, I have in the past so far, I know who I want to kill and I, who I want to be the sole survivor if there is any. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that certain characters are going to get the axe. I just don't know how it's going to happen. And actually when I was writing the first draft of Blind, I had a character that I thought was, you know, going to be a mainstay character. And I wrote him, actually I wrote him into a corner where he just could not get out of it. And that's like my biggest pet peeve with uh, horror movies is when there's a mm-hmm. character that probably should have died in that situation. And the writers find some miraculous way to get him out of it. And so I kind of promised myself I wouldn't ever give him that. So if the character kind of is in a situation he shouldn't get out of, he probably won't be getting out of it. But for the most part, I just, uh, sometimes they die before I planned them to. And their story arc, that kind of had pre-planned, I'll give it a different character. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the most part, I, yeah, I don't know how they're going to die. Uh, oh, good. Because I think that'd be more fun to write if you don't know how they're going to die. Okay, here's another question. Do you have to, do you ever get stuck in a rut where you have to research deaths? <laughs> or does, I mean, where's the inspiration come for that? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, well, the, the inspiration has been my love for horror genre since I was like, uh-huh. six yeah. years old. Um, all right. Um, my mom introduced me to Night of Living Dead when I was like six years old. Mm-hmm. And that might seem kind of young for a lot of people, but my mom was cool about it. She explained, you know, this is all fake and here's how they did the effects. And, you know, that, that human flesh they're eating is really chicken, you know, and <laughs> it's just KFC and it's fine. It looks like it's burnt human, but it's just, it's just KFC chicken. And, you know, and then the, the fake blood, it was, you know, it was like chocolate syrup or something like that. So I kind of, at that point kind of realized that it's, you know, nothing to be afraid of. And so I found, I loved horror after that. And I just digested it any way possible between, you know, goosebumps when I was growing up or, um, are you afraid of the dark on Nickelodeon was my jam. But, oh you know, yeah. I loved that. Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, as I got older, I kind of tried to dabble in stuff I couldn't watch as a kid. Mm-hmm. It was a little too hard for my parents. And then, so when I'm writing these kind of deaths, I kind of, I miss eighties and nineties horror a lot. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, I agree. So yeah, those, those were the, the prime time for horror in my opinion. And, Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to kind of bring that feel back with some of the horror. Um, you know, like the nineties when the who done it type murders like scream and I know mm-hmm. last summer and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I really want to write something along those lines. I just I'm still I'm stuck in what I'm doing now, which right now primarily been uh ghost stories or monster stories. But mm-hmm. like that that's on the to-do list. I'm gonna get back to those. <laughs> when it comes to death, I was I kind of find myself in, being inspired by some of the movies I watched as kids. Like gotcha. Night, of Living, uh, Night of Living Dead or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Child's Play. And so I kind of put myself in that universe and just kind of wonder what, what else could happen in there. And that kind of makes it pretty easy. 
some of the best best horror movies you can watch classic horror movies right? <laughs> like i loved those movies and i'm a very particular movie person um anybody in my family will tell you they hate going to the movies with me even if i if i don't even know the storyline because within 10 15 minutes we say oh yeah that person's gonna die or this is gonna happen because when you're right. a writer you can anticipate a lot of the writing that's gonna happen it, it's just odd so i, I kind of make everybody mad when i go to the movies so i've learned to keep my mouth shut um, but like, um, horror movies, it, particularly supernatural movies, I tend to not go and see anymore. I'll just wait till they come out because I get very bored with the writing in them. Cause I'm like, that's so unrealistic. That would yeah, never late, happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some of those, some of the horror movies lately, I just, I, I'm not going to go to the theaters and watch some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, but my wife, my wife does the same thing. She legitimately, there was a time in a relationship where she just won't watch a movie for me because, <laughs> because I would predict it or I would say, yeah, that's just not, that was just bad writing or a sloppy yeah. writing. And yeah. Just, I can't turn it off because I'm, I'm, I'll watch a movie that I was really looking forward to and doesn't go the way I wanted it to go. Cause I had a preconceived notions of how I would write it. Yep. And, and, and then it just kind of kills it for me. Yep. So like, exactly. I'm the same way. Uh, there's very few movies. That surprised me honestly anymore. And when they do, I have to watch it over and over again because I'm like, how did I become obsessed with it? Yeah, how did how did I not see that coming the first time? I must have been, uh, you know, not paying attention. So I loved I love to go back to them. So awesome, awesome. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about. Um, so tell me again because it broke up just a little bit. A co- one of your book is traditionally published, or two books are traditionally published. Uh, so a buddy with uh, Inkshare, yeah. <laughs> Inkshare is the publisher that I'm going through traditionally okay. Okay. from the contest that I won. Um, and I met some people there that are, they wanted to go down the indie publishing route. Mm-hmm. And they're really interested in starting their own publisher, publishing uh, company. And they wanted to really focus on horror because they feel like there really hasn't been a really a home for horror that was indie lately that... Um, I mean, I, they didn't know some of these publishers, but I found some publishers that I really, you know, enjoy looking at and I really like their work and hopefully could work with them someday, but they wanted to help me out and, uh, help me launch as their first title. And, uh, and then, so that's the indie part of that for a couple of my stories. And then mm-hmm. I do want to self-release the Valley and this, <clears throat> this coming winter. Cause I do think we live in a day and age where, you should be doing hybrid. You really should. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it'll be my debut novel. It's a horror and uh, a couple of the authors from Inkshare that were highly successful that I've got winning. They, uh, they, they sell their day job. They, they still, they're still cracking away trying to get that second and third novel back. But mm-hmm. um, I feel like the, in order to be the most successful, you have to have, you have to have your, your hands in both, you know, cookie jars. And, yep. and I think that's going to be help, helpful for me to accomplish that goal of someday writing for full-time. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and that's the, the part that I'm learning and I'm loving about my podcast is that I'm meeting so many authors, like I said earlier, and there's almost not one specific path for everybody. And it, 
it kind of depends on the book and the story. I, I've had authors that have done independent, you know, gone indie completely, and then they switch to their own self-publishing and, and they have really great insight on both sides of it. So, so let's do this. Let's plan um, when you get your self-publishing done after a while and you're out there doing that for a bit, let's have you come back on and you can share your experiences with self-publishing as well. Um, because I think that would be valuable for other listeners. High five to that. I am always game for it. Good old chat about books. That's yeah, yeah. So, so Mike, I like to ask about support groups. And you mentioned um, that you had a support group online that you work with. Can you share some of your other support groups um, that you've worked with or give somebody else encouragement that wants to break into horror, um, the horror genre? Um, yeah. Uh, to start off, I have probably the best support here at home that I could also ask for. My wife has been nothing but supportive since I've met her and I told her the pipe dream of someday wanting to be published. And, uh, she, you know, she's read my work and she sat there and let me have a couple hours to myself a night to just try to write and just try to make this dream come true. And when I entered the contest, she was my biggest cheerleader and I've been very lucky to have her in my corner. Um, and then when it comes to social media, I feel like I found the right groups right now for me where I'm at and, if you're a horror author and you're trying to figure out where you can get support, there's a couple groups that I follow on Facebook that they're, they're really supportive. They'll let you pitch ideas back and forth or say, you know, you're not sure if it's something, an idea you have to do cliche or maybe something that you, you have an idea for something, but have, has you, have you seen this before type stuff? And they'll let you know and they'll talk, talk it out and try to mold it to something that makes a little more originality to it. And um, those are like the higher, the, just a straight, group called the horror writers um and then <clears throat> horror authors is just a group those are the titles and they've been very supportive very helpful um and then also on the flip side i've found a lot of success and just horror um groups in general or the broad spectrum of horror like you know horror movies or horror books or just people that love horror and join these facebook groups um, and you just throw out an idea to them or see if anybody wants to talk about horror and they will give you the time to sit around and just play around for a while, just talk it out. Um, and as far as Instagram goes, um, there's a couple of good horror loops that people are into and they, they share images and they talk and we, we found a couple of good groups that we work in circles and we critique each other's work or we will pick up each other's work and kind of, uh, give them positive reviews or, you know, just talk to them, talk it out about what we like or we didn't like and try to critique to help everybody grow. It's really, really fun. I'm also a big advocate of finding your writer counterpart. Writer mm -hmm. counterpart. Like I have a couple buddies that legitimately I will text back and forth or we'll get into an hour phone call or something like that and just talk about what's where we're at their plot, what we're doing wrong you know, and they will get an actual opinion from each other about, you know, that doesn't fit what we've discussed in your story. Maybe that seems too far out of the field, you know, and I really support you finding that counterpart. It could be literally the guys that I talked to people I did not know in the real life and who just made a good connection online. And then we just bring that to the real world. And actually both of us tend to, you know, grow from it. And I think have a better product because of the time we've spent together talking. And I agree that with that 100%. Um, 
I I used to think that writers' lives were going, you're supposed to be just isolated in your own little cubbyhole and write. And I found that you can't write alone or you can't write alone well. <laughs> you can't write <laughs> al- well alone is what I'm trying to say. You really have to have that feedback from other writers and authors and, and support. So yeah, 100%. And also, if you know, follow me on Instagram or Facebook. And if you want to jump into this, you're not, you just kind of need how to get to, you want to know how to get your toes wet, you know, just kind of slightly dip in. There's a couple of people that have messaged me and asked, you know, <clears throat> to, for like books to read, like what kind of books they should probably start reading if they want to get into it or mm-hmm. just ask for just advice because I'm very adamant about my love for horror. Mm-hmm. So it made it easy for people to approach me and just ask me, you know, just general question, but I'm willing to help out anybody. I love just talking shop. It's, I have like four or five messages up at one time, just talk to people about, writing or about you know the horror genre in general i i will not turn you down if you want to talk a good talk i love it so listeners take him up on it you better be hitting them up and make it so busy where he's like uh okay everybody i have to write (laughs) too much (laughs) that'd be great okay so tell us what your inspiration is mike what what keeps you going in this because you know doing the writing thing on the side it's creative but sometimes it can be a little daunting so what keeps you going my kids i mean awesome. i don't honestly know what i would be doing if i didn't have my kids to be honest it, it, uh, i started writing comic books and the very first published work i had i dedicated towards them and then after after you know i kind of had a slump for a while there and i kind of got you know, down on myself because I wasn't creating. And then I realized that I wasn't setting the example for my children like I wanted to. Like, I always talk to them, tell them that they can do whatever they want and I support them and I believe in them. But I didn't do that to myself. I didn't actually believe myself. And so I can't exactly say that to my kids if I don't 100% believe that for myself. And so whenever I write, I have the kids in the back of my mind. Literally, the book Damn to Hell is about a grieving father. It just, it's about... You know, if you look between the lines, it's about a father doing whatever it takes for his own children, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that without without them as inspiration, I don't know exactly what I'd be writing. Um, I'm not sure that I'd be creating at all, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for them to hold and, you know, kind of maybe just know that even if I never make it as a career, they can hold my book and know that I give it my all. You know, I had 100 percent pride to do something. Oh, I love that. And I think that's probably the most exciting inspiration in my mind because my kids, my two daughters are absolutely my inspiration for everything. And definitely similar to you is that I've told them from day one, you need to be creative. You need to go out there and chase your dreams and blah, blah, blah. But as parents, you know, we get so busy taking care of kids <laughs> that right. it's hard to find that balance again. And so, um, my journey now, our kids are grown. So they're, they're often in, I sound autopilot in their, in the world, but they often come back. (laughs) And so, but it's so exciting to see them go out and live their creative dreams that they're doing, but now they're getting to see me do it. And it's really fun when it full circles around. So, so what a wonderful inspiration. And I'm glad that you have your kids to be your inspiration. Right. I've been very fortunate. My kids are, they're, they're freaking awesome. I can't, I can't <laughs> brag about them. They're just, they're the sweetest, like little group of three kids I could ask for. And they have the best manners and they correct me sometimes because I'm loud and I'm kind of obnoxious and they'll make sure I'm in check. Like, I love it. So 
I love it. Well, good kids, good family. So, so let's do this. Let's get you started into the reading. So set the stage for us and share with us with us what little bit of character parts you want to share with us and then go ahead and jump in your reading. I'm going to go quiet and listen and then I'll take us out at the end of the podcast. I think I'm just going to start chapter one and just literally just go for it. Uh, as far as the setup goes, I can read you in the back. Um, this is the, the latest one that came out in July. Uh, everything was changed with one question. What would you do to see your son again? Rob is a man whose life has spiraled out of control since the death of his teenage son. He spends most of his nights stumbling home from a bar and his days are spent hungover. Desperate to get his life back on track and ready to move on, he discovers something evil with the promise of giving him closure. And now Rob will do whatever it takes to save his son's life. Yeah, so that's it. That, that, that's, the, that's the gist of that. But <clears throat> it's called Damn to Hell. So chapter one, that's the moment it changed for me. When I knew I needed to be here to find help. The fat man said as tears rolled down his chubby cheeks and down his thick neck. Fat man tried to smile, but it, but it fooled nobody. He nodded his head as he tried to keep his composure. The man held strong for a moment before his lips began to quiver and the floodgates opened. He threw his hands to his eyes and began to sob. Longer than Rob thought a man should cry in public. Rob tried his hardest to care. He wanted to feel for the man that was in the same place he had been only a couple years ago. Rob put himself in the fat man's shoes and tried. Ultimately, it meant nothing. The fat man shouldn't be crying like this. Every Tuesday and Thursday, with the third Saturday of each month, this is where he'd be. The people were always the same. They were either the, they were either the ones that had lost all hope or just giving it a shot. Rob looked around the small room. Besides the fat man, there weren't a lot of new faces. The same people were here week after week, barely making it day to day. With a slight gust of wind, they would snap like a fragile thread holding onto a button threatening to pop off. He was reluctant to come at first, spending the majority of his time drunk or working on getting drunk. Rob started by drinking the six-pack after work, passing out as soon as eight o'clock rolled around. Then that six-pack turned into two. Not enough time in the afternoon to drink? Rob decided that a couple of beers before work wouldn't be the worst idea. Soon he was drinking on his lunch break. He had on more than one occasion woke up on his front lawn after passing out before he got through the door. He didn't, it didn't take long for his wife to file for divorce. That was the worst thing that could have happened to Rob. He began to blame her on quitting. Blaming her for everything bad that had happened around them, he wished that she understood the pain he was in because if she was she didn't act like it one day she packed her bags and moved out he didn't speak to her for another three years eventually she began calling him on christmas about six months ago she gave her a yearly christmas call she seemed happy her voice was the saving grace that rob needed to hear that call saved his life she told him that she had met someone and that they were getting married the following week that night he hung up the phone after only a short conversation and decided that he wasn't going to quit just yet. He needed to change his life around. The next day was a Tuesday, his first meeting. Thank you, Peter, Marla said. Batman gave a faint smile and sat back down in his folding chair. Marla looked around the room for someone else to share their story. An opportunity to talk about how much of a waste their existence had become. A chance to rattle on about things that everyone in the room could relate to but everyone talked as if they were the only ones with this problem. Rob often wondered 
what similar support groups talked about. Was it as self-serving? Did the people there leave feeling like something in this was getting better? That maybe it was all worth it in the end? Rob never felt better after leaving a meeting. Maybe he didn't put his heart into it like he had hoped he would. Maybe he wasn't, maybe he wasn't ready for the meetings. The smell of burned coffee and the coldness of the room was the only thing Rob actually liked about these meetings. The meetings didn't give him a safe feeling. Actually, it did quite the opposite. He felt like he was in a dark cave, hidden from society. No better than the bat shit that formed at the floor. He didn't deserve to be happy. Not yet. Rob had to earn it. He needed to stick it out and come out the other side a better, stronger man. That's what he thought. Nothing yet had proven him otherwise. The fluorescent lights of the living in faith church gave off a yellow glow in the room. The church was old enough that Rob remembered his mother dragging him to the bathroom and swatting his mouth when he wasn't behaving well enough in front of God. That may have been over 30 years ago, but the church still looked the same. The walls used to be white, but have dulled with age and looked like a chain smoker took up residence in the small room. Framed pictures of lighthouses and bright, sunny skies hung randomly on each wall. The dust on the frame, thick enough it could be seen where Rob sat. A small group of eight sat in a semicircle with foldable chairs. In front of them was the head of the church. Long gold curtains hang from the ceiling to the floor. Pulled back, they would reveal a mediocre painting of Jesus walking with small children. Tonight, the curtains were closed. Marla swept her blonde hair from her shoulder, smiling around the room and looking at Rob. Her smile folded inward for a moment before she perked back up and moved on to the next person. Jenny, she said with a nod. Rob rolled his eyes and slouched as deep into his metal chair as he possibly could. He swirled the remaining black coffee around in a small styrofoam cup and sipped like a grade school kid slurping soup from a spoon. Petite redhead in an obnoxious blue sweater stood up. Hello, everyone. The group greeted her, including Rob. Today was hard, Jenny began with a whisper. I know that it's hard for everyone. I know that I shouldn't dwell on it, but she trailed off as her whispers cracked and her voice bounced in pitch. But next month will be another anniversary. Rob rolled his eyes far into the back of his skull. This again? Rob stood up and moved to the long table at the side of the room. He pulled the coffee pot out and popped off his small cup. He reached into his pocket and pulled out his phone, opened to the home screen and distracted himself on social media. After a moment, he looked up and accidentally locked eyes with Marla. She raised her eyebrows and her eyes grew wide. Her thin face was pulled tight and her lips mouthed the word sit. Phone back in his pocket, he flopped back into his chair, placed his cup of coffee on his knees. His giant body size made the chair look like a child's chair. Eight o'clock couldn't have come sooner as Rob picked up his chair, folded it, and placed it with the others. Most of the regulars grouped together and chatted about how proud they were of one another and how much progress they'd made. No one approached Rob. They used to, but Rob made sure to shut that down real quick. He wasn't here to make friends. He didn't care to hear Jenny or Peter's story. They were all the same. My life is a mess. I'm a mess. I hate myself for this. I hate myself for that. Same stories every time. Rob didn't care about anything but seeing this through. He told himself that after every meeting, he was getting closer to beginning a new life. Don't forget that Thursday's meeting is canceled, but next Tuesday we will meet again. Saturday's meeting has been moved to 10 o'clock. Don't forget, Marla said as the few of those left. She watched as the room emptied, and eventually the only person left in the room was Rob. He poured more coffee into his disposable cup and stirred it with a straw. She had seen him do this before, many times in fact, though she could never recall him ever 
using any cream or sugar that needed stirred. Marla supposed that whatever he was stirring hid in a flask in his jacket pocket. Figures, she thought to herself. He wouldn't be the first person to do so here. She didn't blame him. She would need alcohol too if she was in his shoes. Marla folded the last chair and placed it against the wall. She heard the front door open and watched Rob wave goodbye over his shoulder without turning around. Thank God, she thought to herself. Marla didn't trust Rob, and she hated herself for admitting that. Rob had done nothing to her to feel this way. But it didn't change the fact that there was something about him that scared her. He never truly smiled. He rolled his eyes. as People cried or poured their souls in front of strangers. He wore the same navy-colored peacoat every meeting. His face was never shaved, and his thinning hair was rarely combed. Rob was never aggressive as far as Marla could tell, but she wouldn't put it past him that he had gotten into a couple bar fights when he was younger. Maybe even pushed around his wife a little bit, which would probably explain why she left him. Her heart dropped. Stop doing that. You know nothing about Rob, she thought to herself. Marla would beat herself up for the rest of the night for thinking such a horrible thing about someone else she believes she needs to help. She poured the remaining coffee down the sink in the bathroom and left it on the counter. Marla turned off all the lights and locked the door behind her as she left. The cold air pulled the heat from her body as she walked out towards the bulletin board. It was a reminder for anyone that missed her announcement as she left. It read, Thursday meeting cancel. We'll resume Wednesday, regular time. Saturday meeting moved to 10 from the Grief and Recovery Family Support Group. The end. Awesome. I know that uh, church uh scene very very well you described the church i grew up in (laughs) (laughs) i said they're going i can smell it (laughs) (laughs) so um awesome mike i loved it i'm curious now what rob's up to and i i have to know who's gonna die first but i guess i gotta read the book huh (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it i i enjoyed that you gave me the invitation and i like sitting here talking it's been fun Awesome. Well, before we leave, give one final thought. If you have one tip for an aspiring author like myself, who isn't published yet, working their way towards that dream, what can you leave us with? The same advice I give everybody. I am. I have friends that have come to me after this, and they kind of ask. You know, they bring up the fact that they wanted to write for a while, or they just haven't made that plunge yet. And I honestly believe that there's a story in everybody. Everybody has the, the ability to tell a story. They just have to have the dedication. And all it really takes is just going behind your computer, going behind a notepad, just put an hour of your life away at night and just start writing. And then maybe you'll open that up the next day and realize that it was all garbage and you're going to throw it all out. But at least you're writing and you're building a craft and you're becoming better at your craft. And eventually you'll start clicking and Every day you're writing for an hour and a half, maybe an hour, maybe two hours. And most of those are your, most of those words you're going to keep and your story starting to develop and you get more excited for it. But the first step is actually opening that computer and putting aside an hour. If you don't put aside an hour a night for yourself, then turn off TV for, you know, a night, turn off, you know, take off time to do something else that you'd regular, you'd regularly be doing. Put that hour if you want to write into your work. Um, it will show in the long run. If you take three months between the last time you wrote, then it's going to be like you're starting over. You have to get behind that computer every day. And that's why not everybody writes. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. Fantastic advice. Reminding me that myself, shut off that TV and <laughs> keep writing. You know, sometimes we, we want to do distractions and that's not always the best thing to be doing. We got to get and keep writing. So, so wonderful, Mike. Well, Mike Salt, thanks so much for being here on the podcast. It has been a pleasure having you. We'll bring you back after you self-publish that other book and it's out there for a while. And we can do a comparison of your indie experience with the self-publishing experience. How does that sound? Woohoo. That sounds great. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Vicki. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Follow us on social media and sign up for our newsletter where you can be entered automatically each month to win a signed free copy of a book from an author that's appeared on the podcast. You can find out more at our website, www.squishpin.com. And finally, if you're an author in the Pacific Northwest and you would like to appear on the show, you can find out more on our website. So until next week, I hope you enjoy the journey. This is Vicki J. Carter signing off.